raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Dan Favalli of Bleacher Report. You can also listen to him on the Hardwood Knox podcast. Great title for a podcast. Talking about basketball, by the way. Dan, we appreciate the time, man. How are you? I am doing well. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing well, man. Dan joining us via the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So I don't know if you have the answer, and nobody has really, but we're going to try it out. We're trying to figure out how to fix the Charlotte Hornets. We at least have new ownership. Michael Jordan selling majority stake this past offseason right before we get to the start of the new year. And so with new ownership, you've had some injuries that have been really bad the last couple of years. The luck has not been on our side. But, Dan, what's the next step new ownership needs to take in order for Charlotte to climb the standings in future seasons? I think, and this is it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but they need to change sort of just the organizational culture and perception at this point. And there's just been so much extracurricular stuff with them when you're talking about the Miles Bridges domestic violence incident and how that sort of cast a pal over not just the team, but what is his future now going to be given how his you know, him signing a qualifying offer, but even things like, okay, the PJ Washington contract negotiation was super weird and seeing that from the outside looking in perspective, some of the comments that mixed cup check specifically has made over the past six months or so, some of the stuff you hear behind the scenes, both public and not public about LaMelo ball. There just needs to be a better perception about the Hornets. There needs to be, it feels like more top down organizational alignment is Steve Clifford the coach that new ownership wants is this the coach they want to move forward with you do have some nice young pieces here you mentioned that they have really you know they've gotten the raw into the stick when it comes to injuries but when you kind of look at the way they play and yes yeah, some of it's personnel based um, but it's just awkward it's incoherent at times especially you know when you're looking at the offensive end the personnel they're missing I get it um, you tried you know before Brandon Miller got injured they're trying him more on ball I get it but just this did not look like a Steve Clifford typical coach defensive team and so I think it really needs to start there you have identified who your two most important players are in the mellow and Brandon Miller if you need to strip it down strip it down but I think it's more about just changing that organizational culture kind of off the court and then I think that starts probably with the front office now that you've already switched ownership well and, and just you know not to push it too much further here Dan I know you're talking about just changing the culture but how far do they need to go right like you mentioned LaMelo they invested 200 million dollars in him clearly it looked like he was taking a step forward once he did get past the first injury and then suffered the next one but we've kind of I think abided by Mark Williams LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller, everybody else is somebody that you could see out of this organization. Is that what you feel looking at this roster, or do you think, hey, nothing is out of the question when you're trying to build a new culture here? I mean, certainly I don't think Mark Williams should be off the table. I know he's dealt with back stuff, but it's not necessarily been an imp- – it wasn't an impressive sophomore campaign for him to, to yeah. this point. Um, if it was me, I probably wouldn't have anything off the table. I might even identify Brandon Miller just as someone who's on your rookie contract as your most important untouchable player. But I think what almost benefits the Hornets is, you know, you talk about tanking or stripping it down, and, like, they're bad without doing any of that. And so you're going to get another high draft pick. And so I think it really just starts with I would view it as you have Lamelo, you have Brandon Miller. I do think Lamelo is good enough to be, you know, a top 20, top 25 player in the NBA on a consistent basis if he stays healthy. The ankle stuff is troubling, but, you know, not to use the Steph Curry comp, but he dealt with a lot of ankle stuff early in his career, and he turned out – just fine. And so I would just move forward with those two players and try to optimize 
the team around them. And a lot of that's going to be figuring out, okay, well, can Brandon Miller be the guy that helps you in the half court create alongside LaMelo where that's not necessarily his strength in the slow down process. And if it's not, then you need to flesh out your roster from there. And I think that's probably been their biggest flaw. They kind of, they don't necessarily have enough information on what the best team around LaMelo should look like, but I do think you sort of have a large enough sample size to where you could have tried to build back your roster from there. And they, they've never really done that. I feel like. Dan for Valley joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And, Dan, I caught when you said some of the things you hear about LaMelo on and off the court. What are some of the things off the court that you hear around NBA circles? I mean, I think the big one, and I, like, and I don't want to get into stuff that I just really don't think is super public knowledge. So I'm not trying to get aggregated here. But just the, the level of, I don't know, agency or control or influence he has over the organization where you have just heard – certain things where they've probably catered him too much or catered to this idea that um, if he doesn't necessarily like a player, if you're worried about how he might fit alongside a player, even if you believe they're the best player available in free agency or the draft, Lamelo's a great player. But when you're this bad, you don't have to worry about fit or what your best player necessarily wants. You need to worry about putting the best team on the floor possible, getting the best talent possible. And I do think that they've kind of They've, they've put him up on this pedestal and probably let him get away with certain things I don't think he would have gotten away with with other organizations. Nothing too sinister, to be clear. But if this was a different market, um, I do think it would probably just be a bigger story. And so if the Hornets are to make some of those deals, because we talk about all the time, you know, that they should get rid of a lot of this roster to try to change the culture like we've been talking about on this interview with you. What type of players should they target or should it just be a youth movement getting draft picks and trying to continue to just find that that other superstar to go with LaMelo and Brandon Miller and those guys? I think if I'm them, I'm not necessarily targeting a specific player just because you're not at a point in your competitive timeline where I think you identify, okay, X star. And if that star becomes available, they're likely too old to necessarily fit a realistic timeline for you. It'd be good to see them accumulate just some extra first-round picks to take flyers. Or if you're going to look at tangible players, can you look at some of these second draft guys? Can you be the team that, you know, and one of the weirdest things was them letting Dennis Smith Jr. leave this past offseason. And now you have someone like Killian Hayes kind of floating around in the ether in, in Detroit. Like, can you take a flyer on someone like that where it looks like maybe they've fallen out of favor with their team, don't have a future with their current team, but they're still young. They either play hard on defense or they give you a little bit extra creation in the half court. Um, Nothing really should be off the table, but I think the big thing for them is asset accumulation in the form of draft picks. And they, you know, when you look at their first round pick bank specifically, like they technically owe a pick. They're not going to be like super net positive in picks. That pick will probably never convey um, but you want to be net positive in the first-round pick department as you move forward, I think. Dan Favalli joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You're listening to Wes and Walker. Dan, how special do you think Brandon Miller can be based off what you've seen so far? I am so much higher on Brandon Miller now than I was when he was coming out of the draft. Um, I was really impressed, especially early on this season, what he has done defensively. And you look at, yeah, sure, the scope of assignments are tough, but when you look at his ball denial or forcing the ball out of opponent's hands, um, or even just some of the stuff he's been able to do away from the ball, I think we saw that pull back as his offensive usage kind of came up after the Lamelo injury, but that's almost to be expected. I do think there's still some concerns about can he create separate, enough separation to be a self-starting scorer or to be a facilitator for others. Um, that's a question you're going to have about a lot of other players. And given how plug-and-play he has been, by and large, on the offensive end, when you look at his spot-up three-point percentage, when you look at the way he's able to move off the ball, this very much feels like someone, even if you don't view him as 
that 1A or, or 1B type guy, it does feel like his trajectory could be that of the second or third best player on what's a contending team. And that's a really, really, really big deal. Dan, let's spread it out to the uh, overview of the NBA season as a whole. Uh, what's the biggest surprise you've seen so far based on your preseason expectations to what's happened a little over 30 games in? I think the biggest one is has to be the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I know that they showed some flickers last year, but to be the team that's contending for you know the best record in not just the West, but the NBA at large, and you do have some of your offensive warts, but you've just been by far and away this defensive juggernaut. Rudy Gobert's probably the runaway favorite for defensive player of the year. Uh, people say he's moving better than he was last year. I don't know that I ever saw him move this well in Utah, and that just might be a product of, oh, he actually has some perimeter athleticism in front of him. And you look at um, some of the jumps you've gotten, again, from Nas Reed on both ends of the floor. Carl Anthony Towns has actually been pretty good defensively for a lot of this season. Uh, you're deeper coming off the bench than you would expect. And there are questions specifically about their offense, as I mentioned, and when you get into the playoffs and their dual big matchups. But this is not a team. I was pretty high on them coming into last season, and they let me down. And so I'd kind of written them off heading into this year. And then they just come out, and I think it's reasonable to say, like, if you had to rank the top five or six contenders, like, they are probably going to make that list in some form. And then, yeah, going on with that conversation in Minnesota, the way that they've been playing, and there are some teams that are amidst some youth movements that are getting the job done, like the Oklahoma City Thunder are second in the Western Conference, Orlando sixth in the East. Which of these young teams do you think is for real, and just how far away uh, could the Hornets be from maybe building something like what we've seen from some of these other younger teams in the NBA? Uh, I'll answer the last part of your question first. I do think the Hornets are probably, like, galaxies behind a team like the Thunder specifically when you look at their asset chest and then just the accumulation of playable talent that they have not just acquired but like they've groomed and developed and like the Hornets just don't have that stash when you date back to yeah you know P.J. Washington Miles Bridges are guys who've been on the roster for a while um, but it either feels like we know what P.J. Washington is or we know that Miles Bridges is eventually going to leave anyway and so they just need to accumulate more talent and assets to even reach the point of the Orlando Magic, and then you need to be patient and see it through because we did see the Hornets kind of short-circuit um, just their trajectory or read too much into you know mild success that they might have had in the postseason or almost making the postseason. And in terms of the young team that I think is just built to do some real damage now, uh, it has to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, they have a case as one of the you know the second best team in the league. They've just beaten the Timberwolves and. And the Celtics, they have the best half-court offense in the NBA. They have a top-five defense to go along with it. They're deep. They're the best three-point shooting team in the NBA. I am a little skeptical about how their offense will hold up in the playoffs. I don't think they take enough threes. Defenses do not care what Josh Giddy is going to do to you, even though he's playing a little bit better. But if they can even acquire someone, everyone wants them to get a star. But if it's someone who maybe cracks the top seven of their rotation, improves their rebounding, or improves their three-point volume, like, this is a team that could come out of the Western Conference right now, which is a pretty wild thing to say, given the average age of the players on their roster. Dan Favalli joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I'm looking a little bit here at the Western Conference play-in area, and I'm surprised to see Phoenix 9, Lakers 10, Golden State 11. Like, that's a lot of star-laden franchises, and you know, certainly it's so early into the year now. But which one of those teams are you most worried about when you look at those three? Uh, I think I'm probably least worried about the Suns just because when all their stars are, have been on the floor, which has not been much, they have annihilated opponents. I think I'm probably most worried about the Lakers just because 
there's weird stuff going on with Darvin Ham there. He kind of threw his players under the bus the other night, which is just bad form to do as a second-year head coach. And the other thing with them, unlike the Warriors, is that they don't necessarily have different trade cards or levers to pull. Like, the Warriors can still catch in some younger players, some first-round picks, and if they want to make that consolidation trade, if they wanted to get involved in a Pascal Siakam sweepstakes or if Mikael Bridges becomes available, they have the assets to do that. The Lakers basically have to hope that no one on Zach Levine, and so they won on that level. And they've also just skirted on adding enough shooting around Anthony Davis and LeBron James ever since they won a title by having enough shooting around Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And so that has just never made a ton of sense to me. And so I think when you look at how limited their asset um, well is, and just, you know, they've shown, they did turn things around last year, but they've just shown a lot of signs of being mediocre. They were lionized for almost winning one game against the Nuggets last year, like in the postseason. That is, that is so bizarre to me. And so I think they have to be the team you're most worried about, especially because, look, LeBron and AD have been available. They're banged up, but they're playing a lot this year. And so if one of them misses extended time, you're going to be in, in an even deeper pit. Dan, we saw the OG and Anobi trade go down with the Knicks, but the trade deadline is a little bit of a ways away. But what big names can you expect will be the head of those talks when trade time comes around? I do think Zach Levine and Pascal Siakam will dominate the headlines as we get there, and I would expect at least one of them um, to get moved, to not sort of recycle the same names. The two players that I have an eye on, that one of them, Larry Markkinen, is starting to generate some buzz around the league. Um, I think if the Jazz get a godfather offer, they'll think about moving him, and I think he's good enough, or at least a finishing piece type of player, where if you're a team like Miami, if you're a team even like OKC, and you have the ability to really push in, maybe even Memphis just wanting to improve their front line i could see a team giving up a lot for him and the name that i'm just watching because they've telegraphed that they won't move him but they've been pretty bad lately they're kind of stuck in the middle i know they don't own their first round pick this year so they shouldn't be tanking but i would just keep an eye on mikhail bridges in brooklyn there's no sign that he's necessarily unhappy but if if there are going to be teams out there that will offer probably like three the equivalent of three to four maybe even five first round picks Mm. for him and if you're the nets i think at this point five games under 500 still in the play-in territory but not built to do any damage. Yeah, a lot of people expect you to move Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, but Mikael Bridges is someone that I'm just watching. All right, great stuff, as always, from Dan Favalli joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Go check out his work on Bleacher Report. Also, listen to his podcast. Subscribe as well. Hardwood Knox. Get it anywhere you get your podcast. Dan, we appreciate so much uh, so much of your time here on Weston Walker. We'll talk to you down the road. Most definitely. Thanks for having Thanks, me, guys. Take care. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.